right, Avalanche fans, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening, and thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode and another week's worth of Colorado Avalanche talk, news, opinions, <clears throat> trades, question mark, maybe? We'll see, but uh, another full week to get to. Should be an exciting week, like they all are, and a lot to get to today, like we normally do on Mondays after a busy weekend. We're going to get into the uh, the Avalanche games, very tense games, but they came out on top on both. Talk about my brief time up in Lake Placid real quickly. Talk about its trade deadline. So what's going to happen with the Avalanche? Are they going to make a move? Some news literally just broke right before I hit the record button on Chris Kreider. <clears throat> so we'll get to that. And the uh, three stars of last week, not named Nathan. So lots to get to today, but let's get to what we always get to in the beginning <clears throat> in terms of how to follow me and follow the show on Twitter, LOPN underscore, av- uh, yeah, LOPN underscore avalanche. I was going to say LOPN underscore Twitter. That would make no sense, but LOPN underscore avalanche. Follow on Instagram, search for Lockdown Avalanche. Send emails, questions, comments, concerns, opinions. If you want to be on the Fandom Friday segment, which we will have another one scheduled for this week, send emails and all that stuff to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. <clears throat> okay. First, I just wanted to talk about, um, real quickly, my time up in, in Lake Placid. And I've been lucky enough to go up to Lake Placid multiple times. And if anybody... I know this is an Avalanche show, and the majority of the people who listen to the show are in Colorado and on the West Coast, but for whatever reason, if you're ever in the uh, northern New York area, just take a drop by Lake Placid because, number one, it's a great it's a great little town. And knowing just what happened there with, you know, the 1980 Olympics and the Miracle on Ice and all that stuff makes it even that much more special. But just the town itself... When when you go when you go into this small town, the first thing you think of is how in the world did they have an Olympics here? And and you think that because we're so used to what the Olympics are now, just these grand events, billions and billions of dollars spent on brand new facilities, hundreds of countries attending. It was much more scaled down in 1980. It's not to say that it was not a big event. It it was a very big event. And there were still a lot of countries there. And even as smaller as it was back in 1980, it's still incredible how a town like Lake Placid was able to host an Olympic Games. It will never, ever happen again, a town of that size hosting a summer or winter Olympics. It's impossible. When you get off the highway uh, to get there, you you still have to drive another half hour, 40, 40 minutes to get to the town of Lake Placid. And it's just a two, two lane road going in there. And even in that aspect, you're like, How? the traffic must have been insane. And eventually you start getting into town and, and the, the scenery is absolutely beautiful. And then off in the distance, you just see rising out of the trees the ski jump, 
where they go to the top. You don't see the whole thing. You just see the very top of it. And you're like, man, those guys are crazy. <laughs> and that's the very first thing you see. And they still have like the bobsled thing open that you can go to. Obviously, you know, the rink is still there. Uh, the whole town, there's one, there's just one main street that goes straight through town and it's not very long and everything just revolves around hockey and the Olympics. And it's just that quaint little town in Northern New York. That's kind of like tucked away. And if you love winter and, you know, winter Olympics and everything, you know, the, obviously the 1980 Olympics with the USA team, it's all there. You are completely surrounded in Olympic village greatness. So I love it up there. Uh, I, I go there every every chance I get, and it's pretty crazy to know that 40 years ago, uh, the Team USA accomplished the impossible, and Miracle has been on like all weekend long. So uh, I'm sure the majority of the listeners have listened to that movie or listened to that have seen that movie. If you haven't, for whatever reason. Please just watch it. You need to watch that movie. It does a very good job in telling the story truthfully. And it's it's just really good. I, I was a little bit skeptical. I remember when they made that movie, I was a little bit skeptical if it was going to be accurate and and kind of... Because Disney did it, so it wasn't going to be too much Disney. But they did a phenomenal job with that movie. So I'm sure most of you have seen it. If you haven't, if you're the couple that haven't, do yourself a favor before the week is that's your homework. I'm giving everybody homework if you haven't seen it. You know what? And if you have if you, if you have seen it, see watch it again. So that's everybody's homework. All right. So that's my Lake Placid stuff. Great, great little village. Some news, not necessarily involving the avalanche, but in a roundabout way, uh, it involves the avalanche, I guess by elimination. Came out that the the wild were going to host the Winter Classic, of course, when it's a team in the division, when it's a division rival, everybody thinks that it's possible that their team could be the one playing them. Avalanche fans were no different. I held out hope, thinking there's, I don't think they're really going to have a stadium series game and the very next year have a Winter Classic game. But you never know. There's always that 1% chance, and it, they're not. The St. Louis Blues will be playing the Minnesota Wild on the Winter Classic. Next year, some trade news. Ilya Kovlachuk, who has been tied to Avalanche roster moves, maybe, even before he signed with Montreal. Uh, there were some fans calling for the uh, Avalanche to sign him when he was a free agent and the Kings let him go. And that didn't happen. Um, Montreal signed him. And then, what's he been there for a month and a half? And they dealt him to the Capitals. So that's another player who, you know, was he on the Avalanche radar? I don't know how much he was. He, he gets thrown around just because of the talent and Avalanche possibly, you know, Avalanche are in that position where they could make a move. <clears throat> so he was the player that was clearly on the block and they didn't pull the trigger on him. I didn't really think they would, but another player off the board. These players are dwindling down with who the Avalanche could possibly get in a trade. And right before I started to record, there was an article that came out. I got a notification on my phone that said, I'll just read the headline, Rangers likely to trade Kreider as extension talks collapse. He wanted to stay in New York. 
and I don't think that was any secret. I think he likes the East Coast, being from the Massachusetts area. He wanted to stay there, but the sticking point, and this is kind of what kills me with contract talks, talks with some players. New York preferred to extend Kreider, but the club offered six years, and he was looking for seven. Is that where we are, right? I mean, I get, I, I know, I, I get it. I get it. Players have one opportunity to score that big contract, and they want to maximize the years and the money and set themselves up for life. Would Chris Kreider not be set up for life if he only got six years and, and got seven? Is that is that such the sticking point? If that's where you want to be, you want to be in New York. And they're giving you six years, and you are holding out for one one more year. Uh, I get it. It's probably, you know, $8 million that he's going to miss out on an extra year. But by the end of this, you know, if he gets $8 million for for six years, you know, what, what's that, $48 million? I just don't get the, I, I need that extra year. Uh, I, I mean, I'm saying I do get it. But I would be just fine taking a six-year deal, making almost $50 million, and not having to worry about anything the rest of my life. I don't know. It, it's, but players, players are going to do this forever. They're going to continue to do it. But what does this mean? Avalanche have always been linked to Chris Kreider as a potential landing spot for him. Now with this news coming out moments ago, this was last night, you know, I'm, I'm recording this <clears throat> Monday night. Now maybe they're even more uh, likely to possibly land him. Uh, we will see. So the clock is ticking. <clears throat> Could this also mean some some combo deal with him and Henrik Lundqvist? Because we know that the Avalanche are looking for goalie help, which is strange. Well, it's not strange, but... What will be strange is if they do look for goalie help and they do bring in Henrik Lundqvist, what do they do with him? Pavel Francouz has been lights out lately. So do you bring in Lundqvist and put him in the number one spot and then bench Francouz again? There's a lot going on in Francouz. We're going to mention him a lot in today's episode. We're going to mention him in the next segment and then at the end when we do the uh, three three stars he will be in there, and I don't think it's going to be difficult to realize which one he's going to be, which slot he's going to be in. So we're going to get to all that stuff in just a moment. All right, so the Avalanche took part in two games over the weekend, if you want to call Friday the weekend, and why not, and two wins. And on Friday, I said, you know, those are, are points the Avalanche have got to have. You're playing two games, or yeah, you are playing two games against two teams on the bottom of the standings in Anaheim and Los Angeles. Everybody knows what happened with Los Angeles when they did the Stadium Series game. So you were thinking that they would be ready to go for that game a little bit more so because the Kings kind of took away their thunder in that outdoor game. And then Anaheim, uh, both games turned out to be a dogfight. one nothing against the Ducks and 2-1 uh, against the Kings. Uh, first of all, I mean, Francois, like I said, stellar in both of those games and I don't know what it is with the, with the Kings this is two games in, in, in a week 
that they played against the Kings. And the King, there's just some times where a team plays another team well. They match up well with them, and it doesn't matter what what is going to happen. You know going into that game it's going to be a dogfight. And sometimes it's a team like the Kings who are on the bottom of the standings that can compete with a team like the Avalanche who's at towards the top of the standings. This this stuff happens. I don't watch a lot of Kings games, but I got to know like all I all I've really watched of them is against the Avalanche and a couple periods here and there very minimal if they're not playing Colorado. I don't understand why they're so low on on the standings. And I'm not saying this just because like the Avalanche are high up and puffing your chest out saying like, oh, if they compete with us, they should be better. They play a really good game. I, they are defensively. I am. I'm. A, it was frustrating. Both games now. That stadium series game was not an anomaly. They did it twice to the Avalanche. They, the Avalanche could get nothing going. Forget about the shots on goal. The, the shots on goal. I can bring up the stats here for the shots on goal. Where are they? Uh, because it, it was just it. The, the shots didn't. They weren't quantity shots. Avalanche were just kind of throwing something on net, hoping they'd get a rebound or and, and a putback. They had 31 shots on goal, and I think they had... They were into the 20s after the second. So in the third, they didn't get a lot. But man, the Kings, they just play them well. And I'm just... I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs, obviously, but if, that, if they did for whatever reason... <laughs> That would be a dogfight for Colorado. They just struggle with Los Angeles and give them credit. Uh, they fought back. They The only goal they gave up was a penalty shot, which I question allowing that penalty shot. I don't really think he was that far. I can't remember. Oh, it was uh, Zadorov who gave it up. I mean, it was a penalty, no doubt, but I think it was questionable to give the, the guy a, uh, who was it, Wagner? Yeah. A penalty shot, but it is what it is, and you got to give the Avalanche credit. Fought back, going into an overtime, you thought, "Oh, here we go again," and uh, no, nothing in the overtime, and they take it in the shootout. So, I, I give the Kings some credit. I, I just kind of baffled as to why they are that low on the standings. Who knows? Uh, game against Anaheim, dogfight, one nothing. Stat-wise, pretty even. 29 shots on goal for the Avs, kind of right around where they they average. How about Martin Kaut getting his first point and an assist? And it was a big one because that was the only goal of the game, one to nothing. So it was uh, two very important games in terms of points, like they all are going to be going down the stretch here. As far as standings go on Monday, because the Avalanche don't play till Wednesday, they got kind of a big break right now after Saturday's game against Los Angeles, and they don't play until Wednesday. Um, at the very end, I'll kind of just go through the three games that they have next week, but a little of a little bit of a break right now, which is always a good thing at this stage in the season. And standings wise, St. Louis, will the Avalanche still have a game in hand? St. Louis with 80 points, Avalanche with 79 with that game in hand, and Dallas at 78, and they also have 62 games, as does St. Louis. So this is this is continues to be it. So 
are the Avs happy with this? This is this is the question you have to ask yourself for today. If you're listening to this on Monday, trade deadline is here. Are the Avalanche happy with where they're sitting? You you have to. I mean, you have to be happy. I should say, are they? Do they feel like they need to make that move to stay where they are? Some people say no. Some people say that they're they're right where they should be, and they are going to compete right in this till the end. They pretty much have, you know, they're I think ninety nine percent chance to go to the playoffs. So you're you're going to the playoffs. Are you happy with the team that you have? Do you feel like you can make moves in the playoffs with the team you have, or do you want to add somebody like Kreider who is clearly going to be available? Man, it's it's this is Joe Sackick's thing. So we kind of ride or die with his his moves. I'll be happy with whatever he wants to do. I I, I think everybody's happy with this team. I think a lot of people are thinking, myself included, are thinking you why not bring in someone of that talent to maybe push you over that edge. And then now you are the team to beat. Rather than being a team to beat, you are the team to beat if you can bring in Somebody like Chris Kreider. I, I don't think there would be any denying that. So the clock is ticking. We will see where this thing goes. So a couple thing, more things to get to, including a lot of Pablo Francos. We've talked about him a couple times in the past. Two more big things with him right ahead. So going into the the weekend, Pablo Francos was offered a brand new contract. And I think that is very deserving of him. It was a two-year deal for $4 million. Very well deserving for him. And how does he repay them? He goes out and records his first shutout against Anaheim. So here's the interesting thing with that. Is that, that that was a question on what the Avalanche were going to do with Francois. Many people thought it would be wait. they would wait till the season was over and then address it. But the thing that you're you're doing is now you you have to give up a goalie for the Seattle draft. Now you're going to have Grubauer and now you're going to have Francois. You have to uh, give, give, you can't freeze both of them. You can only freeze one. You would think that they would freeze Grubauer. So that, that kind of, you, you've just signed Francois and you're kind of turning around when the season is over and saying, Seattle, if you want them, you know, draft him and he's yours. The way he's played, that this is a it's going to be a scary moment for Avalanche fans because the way that he has played and the way we'll see how the season finishes out. You know, if if worst case scenario, I I'd say worst case scenario with with the Avalanche if they win the Stanley Cup with Pavel Francouz, then the Avalanche have a decision to make: who are we freezing here? If, if Grubauer is out an extended amount of time through the playoffs for whatever reason, I'm coming up with hypotheticals here. Who do you freeze? I mean, do you freeze Francois and, and say, you know, let's just hope they don't pick Grubauer, then we get both our goalies back and go into next season kind of doing what we have a two-headed monster again? If they do trade for a goalie, which Joe Sackick said they want to do, now you have three goalies on your hands Let's just say, again, another hypothetical, you bring in Henrik Lundqvist or Carey Price or Jonathan Quick, any one of those three guys, take your pick. Now you got those three goals. You're going to not freeze one of them. Seattle, would, I think, would probably jump on any one of those three guys. 
So this is going to get tricky. And and I, I don't envy the, the position that Joe Sackick is in because you just got to let this season play itself out and then you make decisions after the fact. You're not making that decision now. The decision that you made is Pavel Francouz is good for this team and you reward him with a two-year contract, $2 million per. Nothing earth-shattering, but deserving. And I know the position that I am in doing a podcast about Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. You think about this stuff and uh, after the season's over. Is Sackick thinking about it? I'm sure he's thinking about it. I don't think he's losing sleep over it. He's, his concern is this season. Let's play the season out to the end, and then we deal with those decisions. But I'm sure the thought has crossed his mind. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the Avalanche do freezing a goaltender for this Seattle draft. And, and and the other part of it is, you know, the Avalanche got burned last time with with the Vegas draft. The very first pick they took, uh, who was it that they took in the, in the draft? I'm racking my brain right now. I forgot his name. Calvin Picard. There we go. Calvin Picard. Uh, was he... He obviously did not pan out, but I think Avalanche fans had some hopes for him. And I, I think it's just Avalanche fans are associating expansion draft. Our, one of our goalies is going to be gone. <laughs> I don't think they felt that way with the Vegas draft, and it happened. And now it, it could be a very real possibility that it could happen with Seattle. We are giving up, and maybe there, there's some team out there that gives up somebody the, the you know, salary cap casualty that they have to cut. That's really appealing to Seattle. Stuff like that, we have no idea, clearly. But when it comes to the Avalanche, it's going to be very interesting. So we'll have to wait till the end of the year. For last week, though, we're going to do the top uh, the, the three stars of the week, not named Nathan. And, uh, yeah, you're going to hear Francois' name yet again here in a minute. Third star, I have to give to Martin Kaut, getting his first point of his NHL career. And a huge point at that. It was not a third period empty netter or they were up four to one and he got a goal or an assist to make it five to one, whatever the case may be. No, he had the one assist that led to the one goal in that game. Very huge. So congratulations to him. Gabe Landeskog is going to get my second star. Very good week for him. And you guys know I was on him at the all-star break slash bye week saying he needed to have a, a big second half. I feel like he's playing a lot better. He just looks a little bit more comfortable on the ice for whatever reason, and he should. He's, he's your captain. He's been around for a while. Uh, maybe that injury lingered a little bit longer than we thought it did. I have no idea, but he's playing a lot better. Last week, a goal and three assists, two assists in one game. So great, great week for him. You got to root for the captain. You always root for the captain. He's he's just a, a great guy, a hard worker, and it seems like he's getting back into the flow of things. And then, no surprise, it's got to be Pablo Francos with the first star of last week. You got the contract, two years, good for you. Four games were played by the Avalanche last week, and they got points in all of them. They, they lost in overtime to Tampa Bay, uh, the Islanders game. Three to one. He should have had a, a shutout in that one. They gave up a a goal with a couple minutes left in the game, and the Avalanche were very upset that they could not get him that shutout. Follow that up by you get the contract and then you get the shutout against the Ducks. Follow that up the very next day 
against the Kings, and the only goal you give up is a penalty shot. So right now, Fransos is is on fire. And I don't think anybody would argue me. You know, I'm giving him first star of the week for this humble little podcast. He might get some some recognition in the across the NHL right now for three stars of the week. So that remains to be seen. So coming up for this week, like I said, the Avalanche don't play until Wednesday. They are playing Buffalo at home, and that will be the Avalanche last home game for the rest of this week. They go out on the road after this. So Wednesday is the Sabres off on the 27th, which happens to be this host's birthday. And then 28th, they're in Carolina against the Hurricanes. Following day, they are in Nashville. So doing a back-to-back both on the road. Those always suck. Doing doing back-to-backs takes a little bit of the pressure off when you do a back-to-back when the first or second one is at home. But the back-to-back both on the road. And that is the 11th back-to-back, which might be the last one of the season. I'll double-check the schedule. They might have one more. Maybe maybe they have 12 on the year. So they could have one more back-to-back, and then that's it. So three games for the week, six points on the table. Let's see what we can do. So strap in. It's going to be another fun week of Avalanche hockey. And join me here each and every day. I usually have these shows up by 3 in the morning on the East Coast just so you can wake up and have a show ready to listen to when you get ready to work or in the car when you're driving to work or if your job allows you to listen to podcasts at work, listen to it at work. Listen to it all day long if you want to. But um, I'm happy that you guys are here listening and enjoying it because I'm enjoying doing this. So another good week of Avalanche Hockey Ahead. Thank you for joining us. And here is Jovi. Go, Abs, go! Go!